Dave grew up there. Yeah, I moved to Freeport because I knew Chuck D and Flavor Flav lived next door from Roosevelt. There you go. Roosevelt yeah. gave the world Eddie Murphy exactly. and Dr. J yes. and Method Man. But mm -hmm. Long Beach, we were talking about a little bit. Rick Rubin originally came from here, from Lido Beach and Rick uh, and Rick Long Rubin, Beach. big shout out to Rick Rubin, produced the Race in Hell album for Run DMC. He was actually the guy that thought of doing the Walk This Way song with Aerosmith. Originally, me and Run was just going to steal their music. <laughs> and make our own song out of it. But, um, but Rick was like, no, I think you should do it over the way the band originally did it. And originally, me and Run was against it. We was like, no, Run's thing was always, but D got rhymes, <laughs> D got lyrics, D got bars. We want to steal their music, use their music to, 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 to lay down our own vocals. But Rick was like, no, learn the record, do the record the way the band originally did it. So me and Run didn't want to do it with a little reluctance and a little bit of um, enthusiastic persuasion from Rick Rubin and Jay. We said, okay, we'll do it. But the beautiful thing about that is while we were now, me and Run had never heard the whole song. Because when we was growing up in Hollis, Queens, New York, which isn't too far from here, and we was doing the block parties and the park parties and house parties, mm -hmm. Um, this is before Rapper's Delight, so there was no hip-hop records at all. So the DJs would look for breakbeats so that the rappers could say their raps. So we used a lot of James Brown records because James Brown always had a funky drummer break in the record. Right. We used a lot of funk records because funk was always melodical. We used a lot of jazz records. And some of the OGs in here like me, y'all remember disco, right? <laughs> Remember you woke up one day and the whole world was like, disco sucks. <laughs> and they threw disco away, but we grabbed it because disco always had that bass line or that space where the rappers could rap. But also, people don't realize rock and roll, rock music, classic rock and folk rock mm -hmm. is a fundamental part of hip hop. We right. used a lot of those records to, um, to, to say our rhymes over. So me and Run didn't know the history of Aerosmith. For us, it was get the album with the toys in it, Toys in the Attic, yeah. get the album with the toys in it, and play number four. <laughs> and the reason why we didn't know it was Walk This Way, the, the DJs would scratch the, the label off the record so the rival DJs wouldn't see what Beecher was playing. <laughs> so all me and Run knew was the, toy, the album with the toys on it, number four. We was going to loop that record and make our own version. I remember my rap to this day. It was supposed to go boom, that, boom, doom, that, boom, that, boom, doom, that, and Jay was scratched back to the beginning, vuka, 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 boom. So it was like eight bars of drums, eight bars of guitars, Jay scratching, literally DJing the whole record. My rhyme was Run DMC came out in 83 with our first single. It wasn't albums yet. And my rhyme was, I'm DMC in the place to be. Been rhyming on the mic since 83, because it's 86 now. There'll never be an MC better than me. That's why they called me the K-I-N-G. And then Run was supposed to come with that, D, you know, the Run DMC, you know, switching off style. I'm DJ Run, and I'm having fun here to get it done from under the sun. Yeah. Typical Run DMC stuff. So Jam Master J and Rick Rubin made us, they took the record off the turntable. So a lot of young people who probably don't even know what a turntable is. <laughs> no, vinyl's cool. Again. I got kids that go, what kids is like that? Vinyl. The CD and this and that. 
So we took the record off the turntable. Me and Ren had to put the needle on the record, yeah. take out a notebook, the, the yellow um, notebook pa pages, and a big pen. Remember big ballpoint pens were everywhere? So we had to sit there and let the record play and write down the lyrics. We did not know why we were doing this here in New York. Rick calls up Aerosmith in Boston. Yo, what's up? My name is Rick Rubin. I know you know who Run DMC is. I'm producing an album for him. We want to do a remake of your record. Do you want to do it? So imagine a person on the other end of the phone. Oh, who is this? Right. My name is Rick Rubin. I know you know of Run DMC. We're going to do, we're doing an album, and then we're going to do your record over. Hold on. He put Rick on hold. Hey, guys, now, Aerosmith at that time, we didn't know that they were gone. Like, yeah. people, their fans and Rockets, you knew this. Aerosmith was like over. And the joke is, Aerosmith could have made a record with God, Jesus, and Moses, and nobody would have cared. Like, that's how far they were going. Yeah. So the person on the phone says, there's some guy named Rick Rubin on the phone talking about Run DMC is doing your record over. Do y'all want to do it? So for them, God, Jesus, and Moses wouldn't have worked. A $300 million marketing and promotion um, campaign wouldn't have worked. They was like, you know what? What do we got to lose? So Rick brings them to New York City. We record the version of the record that you're here to this day. Mm -hmm. But then Rick and them took it another step further. They say, we're going to do a video for it. So we did the video that everybody knows now. And the beautiful thing about that is people need to understand it's the arts, the arts that will empower it's the arts that will open our children up to be receptive for kindness, truth, and gender. And when I say the arts, I'm talking about painting, writing, poetry, literature, music, and all of that. It's the arts that succeeds where politics and religion fails. Politics is cool, it'll drive you crazy, and sometimes religion gets to the point where we exclude each other. The reason why I bring that up, Rick was so brilliant, if we would have just did the record over, the version that you heard without um, Aerosmith, it would have been, yo, remember that video in 86 Run DMC did when they did Walk This Way Over? But by bringing Aerosmith with us, what did we do? We're, we're, we're knocking down the walls of separation. There's no such thing, and this is why libraries are so important in literature and storytelling. This is why libraries are so important. First of all, they're on the cusp of all technology. They got everything, the right. computers and all yeah. of that. But they got books, and they got stories. Um, we knocked down walls of separation. Everybody was separated. White people and black people were so-called separated. Rock and hip-hop were so-called separated. The two just 60s, 70s, 80s were so-called separated. To this day, I go to, I've, I've been to South Sudan which was crazy but beautiful. I've been to South Sudan. I've been to Russia and Ukraine in the mm -hmm. same tour. It hurts me to see them fighting, but Putin's on something. We got to fix him. <laughs> I've been to Asia and I've been to Europe. Long story short, all to this day, when I go to these different countries, to this day I could go tomorrow, and they go, DMC, when Steven Tyler took that mic stand and knocked down the wall in that Walk This Way video, that didn't just happen in the video. It happened in the world. Rick was smart. He said, we could have just did the record and talked about it. Mm -hmm. But Rick knew vision, experience, 
is the thing that transforms um, nation, nations, culture, and people. When people saw Run DMC with Aerosmith, they saw it could be done. But they also saw something that existed for years and years. Black artists always played with white artists and this and that. So when you look at the artists, the journalists, the storytellers, the poets, the painters, even the chefs, anything that's creative, anything that's creative that somebody can experience and then try for themselves, those are the things that free us. So Walk This Way did a dynamic thing. It changed music. Yes, definitely did. It changed race relations. Sure. It changed the perception of fashion and style and what's hip. To this day, all of these artists will say, yo, we exist because of you. Corn, Limp Biscuit, Rage Against the Machine. We created a genre called rap rock that already existed, but it needs people to define it. Like all of us in this room, we're hope in motion. And when I say libraries are so powerful, my gift being in this music business, it all started with two things. It started with books. Mm -hmm. And when I was a little kid since kindergarten, I was a comic book kid. And all I did was read, collect, and draw comic books. That's all I wanted to do, read, collect, and draw. Read, collect, and draw. Read, collect, and draw. Now, because I was reading these comic books, it made me want to pay attention in school so I can understand what in the world Tony Starks was talking about. <laughs> So if you think about it, in school, you know, I had science and I had history. So um, the science teacher would tell me about the sun, the moon, and the stars. But the silver surfer would take me there. And then when I was looking at the comic book superheroes, when I was growing up in Hollis, Queens, the only time I saw smart, nerdy, awkward people, because that was me. I was a kid growing up trying to fit in and make it in this world. You know what I'm saying? I didn't want to be in a gang. I didn't want to sell drugs. I didn't want to steal, lie, and cheat. So it was kind of hard for me. But Stan Lee was brilliant because he put the superheroes really in New York City. So it was kind of real to me. And imagination had a lot to do with it. And the reason why I'm saying this, I'm seeing Tony Starks. I'm seeing Bruce Wayne. I'm seeing Reed Richards. And the, the ultimate one of all, I'm seeing Peter Parker, Spider-Man. Where does he live at? Where do I live at? <laughs> so it was like real to me. But then I noticed something. The only time I saw awesome, smart, educated, super-powered beings who were struggling with, like me was in the comic books. So I was sitting there one day, and I was like, oh, so it's okay not to always come out on the winning end. Even a superhero fails. All these superheroes got personal issues. So I was reading these so-called make-believe imaginary heroes, but I saw myself in them. So now, I'm reading comic books. I'm getting inspired. Right. And then I'm learning in school, right? So I got all this stuff coming into me, but no way to get it out. And then the other thing was, I was born May 31st, 1964. In the 70s, y'all remember the radio stations in New York City, WWABC. Dan Ingram and all of those guys, what was beautiful about those stations was it wasn't segregated. You would hear James Brown, but then you would hear Led Zeppelin. You would hear Jim Croce and Harry Chapin, right. but then you would hear the Jackson Five. Then you would hear um, the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, and then you would hear Son and Family Stone. But for some reason, when I was a kid, 
I wasn't attracted to black soul music. Why? Let me explain. Because that's when my mom, they still cool. I mean, they passed away. But my mother and father, Al Green, Aretha Franklin, and Marvin Gaye, for instance, was their music. That's when my moms, and you know, they were cool. They were dancing and stuff like, you know, I was a little kid. Why is daddy kissing mommy like that? <laughs> so I didn't have a music. But on those radio stations, when I heard Harry Chapin, Jim Croce. We're, we're going to come back to Johnny Harry Chapin in a, in a story little bit. Because All right, that's so long story short, <laughs> um, it was comic books and it was school. I had an interest in school because I needed to understand what was in the comic books. And then it was 70s rock, 60s folk rock, and, and 60s so-called classic rock, folk rock, and 70s rock and roll. So now I got all of this stuff in me. The fortunate thing that happened to me was this thing called hip hop came over the bridge yeah. to Queens. And for me, it wasn't about show business. It was like, oh shoot, you could tell stories about who you are over the music the same way Mick and Freddie and Aretha and stuff like that. So that's the thing that made me want to get into music. I was able to speak about me and to every young person and not be ashamed of who I am. Well, going back to what we were talking about with rock, a lot of people rush to talk about the influence that Run DMC had by combining rock and hip hop with Walk This Way. But that was your third or fourth rock oh, yes. single. You know, it started with Rock Box, which that's the first hip hop um, music on MTV. Yeah. That's before Walk This Way. It's good that you bring that up. And Rockbox, which did uh, Larry Smith co-write that? Larry Smith produced it, and Eddie Martinez from a band called Quiet Riot played the guitar on that. Right. That was 84 uh, on our first album. That went gold, because prior to that, everything was singles. Yeah. There was no hip-hop album. So we did our first single, It's Like That, and That's The Way It Is. B-Side was Sucker MCs. Two records that exploded across the nation. Yeah. Then the second single was Hard Times, Jam Master J. Good, great follow-ups. And then we got souped. You know, the arts will give young people such an enthusiasm about themselves, they will do anything. So we took it upon ourselves and said, we're going to make a whole hip-hop album. And at the time, the world was like, hold up, wait, slow your roll. <laughs> we like these one and two singles, but they said this, there's no way... Anybody wants to hear a whole hip-hop album. 1984, we did Rockbox, did a whole hip-hop album. The album went gold, sold a half a million copies, and got us on MTV. And definitely deserves that applause. And when you go down the list of things that Daryl was amongst the first, uh, first double platinum hip-hop album, I do believe, first hip-hop artist on the cover of Rolling Stone, yeah, first on MTV, first in the Rolling Stone, first um, with a sneaker deal, before, yeah. before Kanye Jeezy's. <laughs> 1986, right. we, we, we was the first non-athletic entity to receive a major sports endorsement from a sports apparel company. And I go into high schools, I go into middle schools, and um, I have a children's book out now for kindergarten to fifth graders. And I tell them, believe in yourself, have a confidence, Forget what the bullies say. Mm -hmm. They're only bullying you because they're paying attention to you. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that means they're watching you, and they're jealous, and they're mad at something because of your greatness. But I say, don't be ashamed of who you are. Share your ideas. Share your thoughts. 
because you never know. You might not just change your life. You might wind up changing the world. And that's what Run DMC represents. You know, when, when, when people saw us, even though we were so dynamic, when people saw us, they saw the potential in themselves. It was a little different. than now when you see these rappers, it's, you know, who's your stylist and what you driving <laughs> and this and that. When, people, when Run DMC and Tribe Called Quest and the Beastie Boys and Eric B and Rakim and De La Soul, when we walked the red carpets, it was, why are you young people making the music and saying what you're saying? We were representing something. And one of the things that also made Run DMC great, I always tell young people, hey, you, you have a responsibility. Mm -hmm. I don't care how good you can play basketball, I don't care how good you can sing, I don't care how good you cook, paint, or dance, and stuff like that. You have a responsibility with those positions. And for us, we learn from people like Neil Young and John Lennon and even Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye was the sexy soul love singer, man, but he took time out to make a record called What's Going On. We realized that everybody from the Beatles to John Lennon to Neil Young, Crosby, Stills, Young and Nash, Curtis Mayfield, James Brown, their first responsibility was to the audience. So we was given a gift to steal all the music we heard on the radio and steal all the music from everybody we saw on Soul Train that puts us in this position. You know, your inspiration puts you in a position not because you're great. Right. I want people to understand this, especially you young people. You're not put in that position because you're great. You have a talent, and now you have a responsibility with it. So Run DMC always wanted to represent, all right, maybe you can't rap. Maybe you can't produce. Maybe you can't dance. Maybe you can't do draw. Maybe you can't break, you know, whatever it is or that, but you could do something. And I always got to tell kids, hip-hop didn't just create rappers. It created CEOs and scientists and educators. I mean, I, I travel this world and people come up to me, I'm a doctor because of Run DMC and the Beastie Boys. You know what I'm saying? I'm on Wall Street because of Run DMC and the Beastie Boys and Eric B and Rakim. Your, your, your talent and the inspiration, when that inspiration comes to you, that's a message to you right. that you have a purpose and a destiny in this world that you can't possibly comprehend. Well, me and Run always wanted Paul McCartney and Freddie Mercury and Michael Jackson to, to say when we walked in the room, we didn't want to say how good we were. We wanted them to say, I like what you're doing. And every musician from John Fogarty to Mick Mars to, to um, 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 Chuck Berry, I got to meet Chuck Berry and all of these guys. Well, Mick Mars was on one of your records. I didn't want to spoil that yet. <laughs> but yeah, everybody that we met, all of these great guys, that, that, as if y'all change stuff, but we like what you're doing. You have a responsibility. And that comes from knowing that it's kind of like the superhero cliche. Mm -hmm. With great power comes great responsibility. Sure. That actually came true for me. <laughs> and is still coming true. Yep. And to me, one of the awesome things about your career is that these songs were initially hits in 1986 and 1988, but so many of these hits a decade later, we become a hit again. So for example, It's Like That, which you mentioned before, became a huge hit again in 97, 98, around then. In Europe, it led to you playing a Jason Evans remix. Yeah, that was a huge deal. <clears throat> and then if you look at Rockbox, which we were just talking about, mm -hmm. the Chris Rock track, yes, Champagne yeah, Room. Yep, exactly, for sec. Now, that being said, 
when you talk about rock and roll, I want, and I especially want all the hip hoppers to understand this. When you say classic doesn't mean old. Classic means better than everything that comes after it for eternity. <laughs> so a classic song doesn't get old because it resonates with every generation. It takes down the ageism and the generational divides that man puts up so that they can control or narrate a particular culture, feeling, art form, or whatever it is. With hip hop, old school is not a time period. Right. Old school is how do you consciously, creatively, and artistically present who you are. Uh, what we yeah. say, it's never old school, it's all brand new. <laughs> so we was looking like, how could a song that the Beatles and the Stones made in the 60s still kick everybody's butt to this day? <laughs> we want to do that. Yeah. And we were young kids that had higher expectations about ourselves. And one of the reasons why we had those higher expectations, I'm glad I'm in the library, is because we read. Yeah. We read. I remember Miss Brown, my library teacher, and the teachers in my school, if they saw that you wanted to be the class clown and a comedian, that means that you had humor and laughter in you. So they would slip you books that would make you laugh. If the other kid was like a brainiac in a scientist book, they knew to give him the science fiction books. If the other kid wanted to be artistic, you would get those books. So we came from a generation where, y'all remember albums, <laughs> vinyl record, right? Remember the album covers? You gotta understand, the music was you heard it. The album covers, you saw it, but then you would open up and you would read it. That does something. That does something to the spiritual, emotional, physical, right. Um, makeup of a human being. So we come from that era when you would read the liner notes and something like that. Nowadays, music is, now it's terrific that every record, I tell kids this all the time, you have every record in existence at the push of a button. Right. So it's just boom, 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 boom. So they could go through a mill, they could go through every record, but we need to slow them down a little bit and take those records one by one and ask the kids, what are you experiencing? Life is about experiences. So when we heard certain songs, you know, the whole scientific thing, music makes you feel a certain way. So when we saw, man, if you could do that, I didn't want to make a song in 86 that would die in 89. I wanted boys, girls, men, women, and grown-ups and educators to say, that's a great song. Why did you do that? Oh, I can relate to that. Right. What made you do that? Yo, everything, I mean, I meet people and go, yo, Daryl, your music speaks to me and this and that, and, and we all do that. So one of the things that um, allowed us and hip hop to do what it is, young people, once again, we realized something. Now, everything that I'm saying now, I was saying when I was 15 before I made my first record. And when I was 12 years old, I found out something. And all of those boys and the girls from the Bronx who created hip hop, we discovered something. We found out that old people ain't old. Old people is experience. 
the fact that a person is sitting in, been around that long, means they know something, they experience something, and even if you don't want to listen, they might not say everything that could relate to you, but if you shut them and just pay attention, they will say something that will resonate with you. Now, if it don't resonate with you young people now, I guarantee you when you get 18, when you get 20, when you get 40 years old, you will look back on the day and say, I remember when that old man said that. So they experienced, so we looked at the elders as experience. And we said, okay, here's what they was able to do. So if they was able to do that, if Steven Tyler and Joe Perry was able to do that in 74, we're going to do this in 86, and then somebody in 2021 will be affected by it. So we always saw that there was a creative connection. Mm -hmm. We always knew that there, I love being in the library, there's a story. There's a story to tell, and if you're not ashamed to tell your story, we also knew this. In the beginning, hip-hop was black ghetto music. So you gotta understand, I grew up in Hollis, Queens, New York, right? I had both parents in my house. I went to Catholic school. Anybody here went to Catholic school? With the nuns and the, yeah, the, whole, the right. whole Blues Brother experience with the yardstick, <laughs> yeah, we went through all of that. But um, I went to Catholic school, I had both parents in my house, and you know we had backyards and stuff like that. When I first started hearing music, I realized that one song from a poor person could transform the ignorance of all the wealthy. And then one song from a wealthy person who wants to let these people know, don't put me up on a pedestal. I'm no different from you. If I got hair, you can too. Right. I was speaking to Jesse Jackson, and Jesse Jackson said 20 years ago, MTV Cribs is cool, but it shows results. It doesn't show process. So for me, I was growing up in Hollis, Queens, New York. I was like, wow, a lot of the things the elders talk about is true. If you educate yourself, you could go anywhere that you want to go because you got a piece of paper that says you know something. But if you try to lie, cheat, and steal, there's only two places you can go, to jail or to the grave. So the boys and girls that created hip-hop, we wanted to have safe, kind, nice, gentle fun. That was the whole motivation behind hip-hop. And how did you do that? We got to the point, we were saying, yo, fighting each other over corners we don't own, shooting and stabbing each other, selling drugs in our own community, killing our own people. It's not getting us nowhere. So we decided to educate ourselves. And then when we educated ourselves, we discovered that we had abilities. You know, this is very like a movie and stuff like that. What do you do? Man, I can play some music. Right. What do you do? I can do poetry. Well, put the poetry with the music. That's how hip-hop started, boys and girls. All, All we right. did was put the poetry and the music. Then it went even further. It was like some boys and girls, some of the boys and girls, who couldn't even read and write. Now, one of the things that's going on in our communities, especially we see it in entertainment with the adults, the politicians act like they hate each other. The celebrity, go on Twitter. Like, if you look at some of the kids' Twitter stuff and, and you know, the, the bullying and stuff that's going on, there's a reason why they think they got permission to do that. Look at the adults. Look at, you got grown men and women in front of our children. I'm talking about celebrity-known people, such and such is fighting, and Kim is doing, con 
in front of the children. So when we saw that, we said, nah, that's not what we want to do. So it got to the point where if a boy and girl couldn't read and write, I'm the smart dude in my crew. It was me, Run, Jay. It was me, Run, Ray, um, um, Douglas, and Terry. So I was the smartest. If a new kid, boy or girl, came into my crew, I didn't get paid for this. It was Daryl, you know what your job is, yes. I got to teach Horatio how to read and write so that when we all walk into a room, we all know how to read and write. And with that, Horatio or Henrietta will have a confidence about ourselves now. What could you do? They'll go, well, I'm trying to figure out this read and write stuff. I don't, know, I don't know music, I don't know poetry, but when I hear the music, I feel like dancing. Right. Outrocast.